love thy neighborhood. Okay. Oh, cool. oh definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Lindsay Lewis, and every episode we walk you through the Enneagram and help you build better relationships. If you haven't already ordered a copy of Jesse's new book, How We Relate, this is your reminder. Go now. Stop the podcast. You can go now and order it wherever you find good books. And today we are finishing our conversation with Jesse about this new book. So welcome to the show. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> Thank Glad you. To be I've here. been waiting for you to say uh, that. Yeah, you have a lovely set that, that we're on here. <laughs> All right. In our final episode, I want to talk about the conclusion to your book. What It's called A New Way to Relate. So in this chapter, you mentioned that we need a real Jesus to experience true transformation. So will you talk to us more about what is a real Jesus versus a fake Jesus? Yeah, I remember years ago hearing Tim Keller talk about this idea that a lot of us accidentally end up creating a Jesus that mm-hmm. is really just us. Yeah. It's a Jesus that affirms us, but he will never contradict us, where he will cheer for us, but he will never actually ask us to sacrifice anything. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact that like that's not the real Jesus, and that Jesus will have no ability to truly transform you in any meaningful way, because really that's just you. And I think in that same way, it's really tempting for us to do the exact same thing. We create a Jesus that's really just our type. Mm -hmm. It's our Enneagram type dressed up in first century clothing. But the truth is that we need the real Jesus. And the real Jesus is the most dynamic man who has ever lived. The real Jesus is the truest version of all nine types, the full embodiment of what it means to be alive. And that Jesus gives us hope because Mm -hmm. that Jesus is able to come to us and say, Lindsay, here's all the wonderful things about you. Here's Mm -hmm. all the amazing ways in which I'm present and showing up and you are are doing so great. And that Jesus does cheer for you and that Jesus Mm -hmm. does want good for you. But that Jesus also doesn't have such shallow love for you that he's willing just to stop there. Right. He's going to go further and he's willing to push you and do things that may even be painful for you because he knows that ultimately that's the way for you to experience the best life that he has for you. Yeah. 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 I like that because it's gentle. You're fully accepted, fully known, fully loved. And there's more. You know, I think of that C.S. Lewis story where he talks about the child who's making mud pies, mm-hmm. you know, and they can't even imagine, you know, a day at, at the sea, yeah. you know, and how much better that yes. is. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, yeah, those are cute little mud pies. And I love that you made that, but look at the ocean. Yeah. You know, like we can go there. Yes. So on the one hand, you've got this Jesus that I think we're tempted to like make him into like 
all he exists for is our own affirmation. Right. I think on the other side, there's a temptation to make Jesus into, well, he's come and he calls me to crucify myself. He yeah. calls me. Yeah. And Christians often make the mistake of interpreting that as it doesn't matter at all what I want. It doesn't matter that I even exist. All that matters is is what Jesus wants and who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense in which I think without realizing it, we end up talking about this notion of like, I shouldn't even exist. All of who I am should cease to exist and only Jesus should exist. Mm-hmm. But that's not Christian faith. That's not Christian theology. And so Jesus came to, to put to death the false self mm-hmm. and does call us to crucify the false self. But he wants the true self to be set free. Mm-hmm. So I think that Jesus comes not just as somebody who only exists to affirm us, but he also doesn't come as somebody who exists to obliterate us. Right. He comes as somebody who has come to set us free. Right. Well, that goes right into the next thing that really struck me was that you talk about healing and repentance and that we don't want one without the other. So talk to me about that. Like what happens if you only have healing and no repentance or vice versa? Yeah. One of the mistakes I also think that we make as Christians is that we sometimes view everything in terms of repentance. Yeah. And I think that that's a mistake because there are some things that like I don't need to repent of. There's some things I need to healing from. Mm -hmm. So if I've been deeply wounded by -hmm. something that's happened in my life, I don't need to repent of the wound. That doesn't even logically make any sense. What I need is I need healing. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I think we also live in an era in which we try to attribute everything Mm -hmm. to the wounds that we have experienced. Mm -hmm. Everything is about the hardships that we have lived through. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a really easy way for us to rationalize anything that we think, feel, Mm -hmm. do. And I think that when we look in the scriptures, what we see is uh, an invitation to both repentance and healing. Mm -hmm. So we repent of the evil things that we do and the Mm -hmm. things that we're culpable for and the things that we're guilty of. But we ask for healing for the wounds um, that Mm -hmm. are a part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes to us both as somebody who calls us to repentance and as somebody who wants to heal our wounds. Mm -hmm. I think that's so good because, I mean, it ties right into the Enneagram that we see people go to one extreme where discovering your Enneatype, it can stir up a lot of pain. Like it can stir up those childhood wounds, you know, and and the hurts that you've had. And you need a balm for that. But also we see people using the Enneagram as an excuse of, well, I'm just that way. And so you're saying, no, like, here's the balm, but then here's also, you can't use this as an excuse. You need repentance also. Yeah. And they go, they go hand in hand so well. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is inviting us to change the way that we relate to, to God and to other people. Yes. Okay, so you talked early on in your Enneagram chapters about the triads, and then you bring it full circle here at the end. Talk to us about how does God heal the existential question of each triad? So there are three triads in the Enneagram. There's the heart triad, head triad, and body triad. And each one of those is asking a different existential question about Mm -hmm. the nature of existence. Mm -hmm. The heart triad is asking a question that has to do with identity, mm-hmm. and that's the question, who am I? The head triad is asking a question that is about security. Mm-hmm. Where am I? 
The body triad is asking a question that's related to freedom and Mm -hmm. behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's the question, how am I doing? Mm -hmm. And when those questions are unresolved, when we feel like we lack identity, when we feel like we can't find security, and when we feel like uh, we can't find freedom, Mm -hmm. when those things are all at play, we are in a very bad place. Mm -hmm. The good news is that Jesus comes and he does answer those questions for us. Mm -hmm. So now we can ask and answer things in this way. Who am I? I'm a child in whom God delights. Mm. Where am I? I am secure in the presence of God. And how am I doing? I am free in the grace of God. Mm. So if we also think about the triads in this way, the heart triad struggles with the issue of shame. Well, the antidote to that is God's delight. Mm. If we think about the times you felt deeply embarrassed about who you are and somebody Mm -hmm. looks at you and they are just doting over you, Mm -hmm. they love you Mm -hmm. and they think you are just the greatest thing ever Mm -hmm. that heals that shame. If you think about the head triad dealing with this issue of fear and anxiety, what heals that? When I am terrified, when somebody comes into into my presence and I believe they are in control Mm -hmm. and I believe that they're going to be with me no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. then I find my anxiety goes way down. And then finally, you've got the body triad dealing with this issue of guilt. Mm -hmm. Well, when I feel guilty because I've done something I shouldn't have done or I didn't do Mm -hmm. something I was supposed to have done, I need people's forgiveness. And when people genuinely, they they call it exactly for the truth and they give that forgiveness, uh, that's healing. Well, Jesus comes, and the antidote to our guilt is his grace and his forgiveness. Mm. And so we find that these huge issues that the Enneagram explores, we find that the gospel of Jesus answers those things. Mm. And we get all three. And we get all three. You don't have to just have one. Yeah. You get delight, security, and forgiveness. Yes. All at once. That's good stuff. Well, Jesse, as we wrap up our final episode... I want to give you the opportunity to speak directly to our listeners and just tell us any final thoughts that you have or hopes that you have for people as they read your book. My hope for you when you read this book is that there would be a series of revelations. Like there would be moments, aha moments, where you're reading through and you're going, this explains why I've had this struggle in my life for so long. This explains why... Me and my spouse or me and my best friend, like why we always have these arguments. This explains why my kid does the thing that they do. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to help you have more self-clarity and be able to have more insight and wisdom into your life. But my other hope is this, that not only do you have these aha moments that explain why certain things are happening the way that they are, but that you would also truly experience these profound moments where It descends on you truly and deeply how much God loves you in a very specific way. That his love is not generic. It's not just sort of this one size fits all. It's not like, well, I've got to love everybody and I guess you're in it as well. Mm -hmm. But that he sees you, that he knows you, that he's attuned to you, and that you you have these moments where you realize he has been ministering to you, loving Mm -hmm. you, abiding with you, walking with you, fathering you just as you need at every moment, and he's going to continue to. So my hope is that as you read this book, that you truly do have all of these these wonderful aha moments of coming to realize how deeply God and the people around you love you, and hopefully some moments, too, that begin to give insight into um, not only where you are, but where God's inviting you to come as well. 
Well, Jesse, if it was up to me, we would just end it right there with those great final thoughts. But I know what you would prefer is for us to end with a game. Yeah, I always like to end with a game. And so that's what we're going to do. This is our final round of our game called Lindsay is the Boss, and therefore you have to answer her questions, a.k.a. Hot Seat. That title keeps getting longer. <laughs> it brought me so much joy to write the titles. It's good. I was like in the coffee shop, like chuckling to myself. It was, it was good. Great. Okay. So, Jesse, I will ask you a series of questions and you will answer. Okay. Easy. Okay. The first question is, how do you like to waste time? Um, I like to watch, you know, sadly, I like to stare at my phone a lot. Mm. And, uh, yeah, my little ADD brain, I just love all of the, like, dopamine hits that I get. And so I I look at my phone a lot. So social media and games and apps. and mm-hmm. But that's my, like, thoughtless wasting yeah. time. If I'm being thoughtful about how I waste time, I like to do little construction projects around my house. I like to do mm-hmm. things with my hands. Yeah, you yeah. are. I just learned this about you, that you are very talented at building things. I really like carpentry. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Okay, so we have um, a lot of disagreements in our um, TV preferences. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. You have bad taste and I have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> so we my can next, at least agree on that. My next question is, what is the best TV show of all time? Of all time? Well, in your, your wow. experience, I guess. Of all time. <laughs> um, I don't know. I could never say of all time, but I do have some deep affection for some different uh Okay, give me a few. Things. Give me um, top few. I remember years ago, Tim Keller saying, uh, somebody asked him, like, how many times have you read Lord of the Rings? And he said, I'm always reading Lord of the Rings. I like that. Okay, if I were a man of wisdom, I would say I'm always reading Lord of the Rings. In my case, it's I'm always watching The Office. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I'm always watching The Office, and so I think The Office is wonderful. Strange but true, years and years and years ago, Mike Cosper turned me on to Battlestar Galactica, and I made oh. fun of him, and I was like, what a nerdy, stupid <laughs> show. And it turned out to be... Incredible. My wife does not like sci-fi, and she will she fight like you on that wow. about how great it was. So that's a good one as well. Okay. If you could take a free trip anywhere in the world, where would you go? In the United States, I would go to Lake Tahoe because mm. I love Lake Tahoe. So internationally, I would say that I would love to go, like, go see the fjords, like mm-hmm. Scandinavian mm-hmm. sort of portion of the world like yeah. I think it'd be fascinating to go out like like Norway yeah and... or even like I would love to go even to like portions of Canada like go see like the northern lights oh, like yeah, I think it would just cool. be really fascinating yeah so I think I think both those places yeah yes. I'd go for them I'm like I like the mountains a lot so I'm, I'm into the mountains yeah, yeah you need a warm jacket for wherever you're going yeah okay yeah okay final question can you tell us one defining moment there was an intersection in your life where God just redirected you on a new path and it kind of changed your life. Yeah. So I'm going to go back a ways. Aside from like coming to know Jesus. Yeah. It's probably the one that set my life on a whole new trajectory that I did not anticipate. And that is between my junior year and senior year of high school, I went to a conference. Uh, It was a big, giant Christian conference. It was not my thing. I did not enjoy it. It was just not my bag. Mm -hmm. And The last day of the conference, I was told about this guy that was going to be speaking across the street. I went and heard him speak. And it was during the course of that sermon that he said a couple of different things. 
there are over 2,000 passages of Scripture about God's concern for the poor. Mm. As somebody who grew up in the church and read the Bible all the time, I was shocked. It felt like somebody had stolen my Bible and put new verses in it <laughs> that I had never noticed before. And then the second thing was the real call to discipleship that came out of that. What does mm. it mean to actually follow Jesus? So not come to faith and not just do all these highly moral things, but an actual, like, what does it mean to walk with Jesus? And mm-hmm. so out of that, I mean, instead of going to college, I moved to Oakland, California, lived in West Oakland with five other people from around the country mm-hmm. and was part of a, I mean, I was one of six white people at my church. It was, we played black gospel. I played drums for the services. And that literally led to, I mean, so many different things. How I approached my education, the the woman that I married, the, the neighborhoods that we've lived in, the way that we raise our children, this organization, mm-hmm. these podcasts, I can just trace it backwards. Mm-hmm. And it was that preacher's boldness. It just broke my world wide open. And so the Lord very clearly spoke to me at that moment in Mm. ways that I had no notion it was going to affect the next 25, 30 years of my life. Mm. That's so good. Well, Jesse, I want to tell you for myself and from everybody at Love the Neighborhood, we are so proud of you. We're so proud of this work that you did. I mean, I think we've all been saying, like, you did it. Like, you wrote a book. You will never be a person who hasn't written a book ever again. (laughs) And it's you've just poured your heart and soul into it. And I think it's evident in every chapter, just your love for people and your love for people to know the true God and to have that loving transformational relationship with him. And so I really do encourage people to go out, get your book and and to read it in community. I do think that's going to be where big transformation happens. So Thanks for writing this book and bringing it into the world. And thanks for doing these episodes with us. Well, yeah, my big heart triad emotions are very (laughs) full right now. So I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to write this. And I'm super grateful that Zondervan saw the project, believed in it, Mm -hmm. and was willing to give me a shot. I hope it can be a gift to a lot of people for years to come. Mm -hmm. So go buy Jesse's book wherever good books are sold. And if you just love hearing Jesse's voice, you can also get the audiobook that he reads himself. And in fact, the next episode that you will see drop from the Enneacast will be an excerpt of the audiobook from How We Relate. And then stick with us because starting our new year, our next full series will be the Enneagram and the Nine Desires. And we're really looking forward to discovering, you know, what are these desires that are driving us and how do they impact our faith and how do we relate to the desires of all nine types. So... Stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. 